Uh, hello. Welcome hello. to the Community Kids Podcast. Woohoo! Episode one. Here we go. Oh my gosh. Uh, this happened so fast. Yeah, that's true. I'm really pleased with it though. I think this is something that I've been like marinating on in the back of my head for a long time and then yes. when the idea came up I was like mm, yep yes yeah when I was um eight uh, 19 20 21 somewhere uh-huh. around there I started writing a book about community and the experience of growing up in it and I interviewed a lot of people from the Ann Arbor Word of Life as well as Lansing Work of Christ um that's right and started like getting different perspectives And then actually what happened is I started learning stuff about the history and formation of the community that um, was horrible. Yeah. And I learned, you know, about abuses that had happened and people who are not in jail. And, Mm -hmm. um, And then our parents started getting phone calls from other parents and community questioning what I was doing, why I was asking all these questions. Um, And our parents were very supportive of me, but I felt like I was taking on something way too big. Like, bigger than Yeah, that's huge. It's like, you were 18. (laughs) Yeah, 18 to 21, somewhere in there. And, yeah, and I hadn't worked through, like, any of my own feelings about it. I was just trying to, like, learn more. So, I dropped it. Um... And so, yeah, anyway, I'm really glad to be doing this. And I think a podcast is going to be a really cool format, too, because there's so much information and so many people. And, like, and branches under sort of the spirit. Like, it's a yeah. national community. International. International. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited, too. <laughs> I, like, haven't done as much looking into the history of community that you have yeah and I was raised in it but left we'll get into that but you know Mm -hmm. left when I was around 14 or 15 with our parents right and so you know yeah I I feel like I'm gonna learn so much (laughs) from this that I'm ready but you know it's also gonna be like it'll feel nice to have a platform to give people who want to tell their story because that is something I have encountered a lot whenever I bring up like oh I was raised in a covenant community and somebody else has a similar experience they always are like really want to talk about it like it's very yeah. exciting when you especially if you find out somebody else has left yeah like it becomes like a a bonding moment that's so <laughs> true like even if they aren't other community kids people raised in super evangelical Christian circles in general, I think. Um, You know, community is its own little special (laughs) special group, but um, there are a lot of parallels. Yeah, so similar that I get them confused in my brain all the time, so it's going to (laughs) be helpful to, like, helpful and a little tricky to, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. separate what was community and what was being raised Catholic and what was being raised yeah. in evangelical yeah. nature, you know, yeah. setting. Totally. Have you ever had to, um, like, okay, say you're on, like, a first date and mm-hmm. someone's like, oh, how did you grow up? <laughs> what do you, are, did you have a normal childhood? <laughs> uh. what, how do you, like, explain it? 
Now I just get right to the point, and I'm like, well, here's the thing. I <laughs> was raised Roman Catholic in a covenant community and was put through private Catholic schools all the way through and homeschooled for a good chunk of it. Yeah. And that was all obviously very formative, but then I go on to say, I've been in therapy for 15 years. <laughs> so, usually, you know, it's fine. But there was a time, too, when I didn't know there was anything else right. at all. Like, so I would be, of course I had a normal childhood, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that actually only stopped, like, five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Because I found, like, if if I do that sort of thing, because I think I have the same tendency to, mm-hmm. I think for a long time I just sort of would deflect and be like, let's talk about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then I crossed a big line there of just, here it is. Here's everything. Mm-hmm. When I met um, Christian, my boyfriend now of over five years, on our second date, I like had way too much whiskey and was just like, here's my trauma. Here's my past. Here's all the reasons you're going to leave me. <laughs> there it um, is. There's the door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Angel that he is, he stuck around. And, oh, uh, who's the I'm so again? glad he did. <laughs> I know, I love him. Um, but yeah, the, the explaining like covenant community part is so hard because I think sometimes people will be like, oh yeah, like I grew up going to church. And I'm like, no, but like, yeah. like super church. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you, so you win like twice a week or whatever. I'm like, no, like, no. I, I was supposed to speak in tongues when I was 10, and yeah. it was weird that I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And that that's usually the line that people are like, oh, huh. okay, yeah. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People really do that? Yeah, and then all the questions start coming, and then, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, how do you handle that? Like, do you usually, like, is it just based on the situation, I'm yeah. guessing? Yeah. Yeah, I don't usually... Uh, bring it up unless you know if someone else does I'm I'm open about it but I it's uh, I have run into people too who are like overly curious who like I'm thinking of this one situation in particular where he started sort of like I want to use the word fetishizing it I don't know if that's an appropriate word to use here, but it was like, oh my God, like you're so strong to have left and like tell me everything and like just like just cornered me in this conversation where I was like, dude, like it's not, I don't want to talk about it. This is trauma porn. (laughs) Exactly. Trauma porn. That's what it was. And it was also like, I don't feel that traumatized by it anymore. Like, I've worked through this, the parts that were bad, I've acknowledged the parts that are good, and, Mm -hmm. like, personally, I feel very resolved with all of it, so I don't want to, like, I don't want to treat it like this huge, dark, rare secret, Mm -hmm. and I also don't want to be, like, defending it too much. Yeah, that makes, I mean, oh, that makes total sense. I very much feel that in like a lot of different aspects of life actually like like also you know we've we've 
We both, we, we saw. <laughs> <laughs> Let me sip my coffee here. <laughs> so our mom passed away and also our brother passed away. Mm-hmm. And like six years apart. Mm-hmm. And whenever I bring that up, I get similar reactions a lot yep. of times. Yep. And I, I mean, obviously our mom passed away a lot sooner than to or a lot um more recently recently. thank you and so that one is like a little harder but whenever I want to talk about Tony it's it becomes such a thing and it's like I'm at the point in my life where I just love remembering all the happy times with him like that's that's where I'm at right now and it's like I want to enjoy that so I really understand that kind of Mm -hmm. situation but I haven't really had that with community where people are like Okay. Tell me everything, because I I actually don't think I really opened up to many people about the yeah. details. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I was gonna say too. I think a a lot of the time, like if I'm just living my day to day life and something comes up that reminds me of it, I don't think of it as like there was that weird part of my life. You know, yeah. it's like I normalize it a lot in my own brain and like downplay the. Uh, intensity of it and then like when I was thinking about our podcast I went and found um, an archive of old newsletters and they go all the way back to like 2014 or something and so I was looking at some of those because I was like oh that's when I was like you know wait no earlier 2004 I get my decades mixed up Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> I was like, I was like huh. wait, that wasn't even that long ago. Yeah. I was 24. No, when I was 14, so 2004. And um, so I was like, okay, this when I was, like, really in it, you know, what were some of the things they were talking about? Mm-hmm. It was pretty radical. I mean, it's like, it, because I've been out of it for so long and away from that culture for so long, I forget sometimes. I'm like, well, they probably weren't really trying to do this. Yeah. And it's like, no, they were. Yeah. It definitely it was intentional. Like, it was radical. And it was very intentionally a completely different culture than mainstream American culture. Mm-hmm. That was the intention. And it succeeded in that. Yeah. And whether or not you think that's a good thing is open for discussion. Yeah. Gotta let that sink in for a second. I want to say that I know that, you know, like, yeah, of course. But, like, I I don't know all the details. So, again, I'm really excited to talk to different people who have been yeah. in, in different generations of community. And, you know, different families had varying levels of involvement and intensity of it. Right, right. So, like, I often feel like our parents, comparatively, were really lax. Like, yeah. I mean, not to say that they were lax. They weren't lax. Like, they were very much, like, involved and, you know, uh, committed to it. Um, but I, I felt like it was more Catholicism that they were committed to rather mm-hmm. than community, you know? Yeah, and they always led with love. Like, yeah. that always came first for them. Not that we didn't have our fights and our moments, right. <laughs> you know? But it, And they were definitely not um, thrilled when I decided to leave. Yeah. But... But we were able to talk about it. I was able to tell them that. I didn't have to, like, lead a secret double life. And I feel like a lot of people end up feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll give you a little... Whoops. (laughs) A little popular over there. 
Hans pappa. Ja, <laughs> tell him hi. Ja, <laughs> oh, he says he has pop cans for me. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so sweet. See, these are our parents. Yes. <laughs> well, um, maybe for you and mm-hmm. for anyone listening who doesn't know very much about it, I'll give a brief rundown of the history as Please. I understand it. With the large caveat that this is the history as I understand it. Because when I was growing up, I was... When I started to realize that not everyone um, grew up in community and I started learning about the different communities and all of that, I was just always very curious about um, people Mm -hmm. and groups. And that's why I'm a social worker. But... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so I started asking our mom a lot of questions when I was really young. And so I learned that, um, so in the 70s, in the 1970s on U of M's campus, Steve Clark and Ralph Martin, and there are like 10 other people who are in this group of the people who were there when it all started, were in what they called the upper room, I think, Um, this place where they would gather together to pray. And the story goes, as I understand it, that the Holy Spirit came to them and they all had this, like, at the same time, this huge spiritual experience where, I don't know, they were probably slain in the spirit and speaking in tongues and prophesying and all Mm -hmm. these things at once. And they indubitably felt that (laughs) that they had to start this movement um and around this it it is pretty interesting around this Mm -hmm. same time in different parts of the world people were feeling this um and this is what is this movement has come to be known as the charismatic renewal so it was sort of based on this idea of the um disciples when jesus was dead um and had been gone And then they were in this upper room and the Holy Spirit came and there were tongues of flame over everyone's head and they began speaking in tongues. It was sort of like a revival of that. Yeah. So they start this community. People start coming to these prayer meetings. There's around this time a lot of prophecies about what this community will be, what it's supposed to be. Um, This group grew and grew and grew. Around this time, for personal context, our mom... um, her mom found out about it and she had recently divorced her husband which was very messy and um traumatic traumatic and for all of those involved and i think it was really incredible to her to have this group to belong to and she dragged mom along mom had a big experience that's how mom got involved in it and then our dad was living in ann arbor at the time and I think I don't know actually how he got involved. I think he he was had friends in a who household. Were in it. Yeah, but I don't know how he that wasn't part of community. It was, but I don't know like oh, how, how he, he got, got into, into it. Yeah. So anyway, he lived in a household of other men around this time, um, and they were introduced by a priest who was in the community who thought that they would be good together. That's right. And they were. Um, but yeah, so anyway, then it grows and grows and grows. They make all of these rules about like 
men should not have emotional attachments to their children Mm -hmm. because they should be the disciplinarian and in order to properly discipline your children you shouldn't really be that emotionally attached to them Mm -hmm. oh boy that's a whole yeah that's a whole thing but um and then they were all yeah women are more submissive i don't know all sorts of strange rules and things came down about what you should be eating what you should be wearing and then in 1990 this has grown and grown and grown there was a big split some people feel that it felt like a divorce to them some people don't feel that way but what happened is steve clark and ralph martin disagreed about the direction it should be going in and then it split into Steve Clark with the Word of God and Ralph Martin with the Sword of the Spirit. So, nope, other way around. Ralph Martin, Word of God, Steve Clark, Sword, Sword of the, the Spirit. Spirit. I always get it confused. Um, yes, me too. I didn't even catch it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So our parents stayed with Sword of the Spirit. Sword of the Spirit grew and grew and grew and became this international group. Um, there's communities all over the world now. Mm-hmm that are a part of this. Well, so that's a brief introduction to the history and to, um, you know, how this all started, how our parents got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very different for everybody, obviously. And that's why there's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm already, I see like so many different so branches from that <laughs> that we could go off and talk about. And it, I want to talk about all of them. Yeah, and we'll um, cover a lot of ground and, you know, we'll get more people in here we'll be having um a guest join us for each episode after Mm -hmm. this one this one is mostly to just interview each other yeah um get a so you you know you guys can hear about who we are yeah people you know yeah do you want to listen to us or not yeah you gotta make a choice (laughs) times a yes or no (laughs) do you like me (laughs) uh who are you what do you do who am i that's a great question um, well, I'm Jackie. I'm the youngest of the six kids of the Jones family, Dave and Therese. Mm-hmm. And I, like I mentioned uh, in the intro, I ended up leaving community when I was 14 or 15 uh, with my parents. I had an interesting relationship with community in that I was very devoutly Catholic, but with community, I felt really protective of my individual relationship with God and not didn't feel like I could really share that with the people in community because it felt very different and I didn't know why mm-hmm. and so I just remember always kind of being encouraged by people to like open up more and like work on the community relationship with God and so I was always really and I you know I was a rule follower I really yeah. like for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> I like structure and I like to be kind of told where to go. And so the rules, or not the rules, <laughs> the expectations of getting gifts of the spirit felt like a goal. And yeah. I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to speak in tongues. And like, <laughs> also, you know, there's confession. I was really big into confession. That's Catholicism. Anyway. It's okay. It's all connected. It's all connected. But so that's all just to say that I was like doing everything right mm-hmm. as I thought. And like, you know, trying to build up um, 
a solid foundation with God and with community yeah it just never never clicked and so I ended up getting kind of discouraged the older I got with it Mm-hmm. and started talking to my parents more about it and kind of being more vocal like I don't I don't want to go to prayer meetings anymore yeah I don't want to go to ignite anymore which is uh like the high school um level of community there's like a lot of different like small group breakouts and prayer meetings for just high schoolers that kind of thing yeah so I was you know and I was doing all that and I didn't really enjoy it anymore and was kind of, was also feeling like really drained by it emotionally mm. and eventually you know I didn't really get any information as to why at the time but mm. they were like okay we're out too so you don't have well. to go anymore and I didn't really question it I was like hmm. cool <laughs> we're out <laughs> like, and but you know and I had um one of my really good friends um well, I had a lot of friends who were still in it and a lot of friends who were not. Mm-hmm. So it felt kind of like a smooth transition for me. Like it wasn't really a huge deal. Yeah. And then I ended up still kind of like going to um, the college level ones for a, a hot minute when I was like 20. Yeah. Um, just because I still had friends that were in it and I yeah. wanted to be close to them and their whole that their whole life is community. Yeah. Like women's groups, they live in households with people who are in community. They're going to prayer meetings. It's it's hard to have a conversation where God isn't brought up. Yeah. So once I started like questioning things mm-hmm. and I was being vocal about those questions because we had a base friendship that I was like, Yeah, you'll understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, it it kind of became like you know our 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 I won't say our values changed because I think we ha- still have like the same values as people but our yeah our avenues of creating those values for ourselves are very different. <laughs> Did you find that <clears throat> when you so you went to college for film? Yeah. And did you find that that um, you moved to a different city? Mm-hmm. Did did that sort of help you find other friends? Like, was that a smooth transition from those friendships fizzling to, like, well, now you're moving on and doing your own thing anyway? Or mm-hmm. was it, like... It was, I mean, comparatively probably smooth to other people who went from community to the real world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... This is interesting because when you brought it up in our, we tried to record these and it uh, several Hard. several things went wrong, so we had to <laughs> to redo it. Take two. But yeah, so you actually mentioned something in our uh, practice interview mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where how Richard Gabriel Richard, the high school, the private Catholic high school in Ann Arbor, yeah, was a bit of a culture shock. Yeah, and I hadn't really thought of that, but. I was thinking back on it, and Richard was definitely really shocking to my system in terms of, yeah. like, different types of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, Ironically it. enough. <laughs> Ironically enough. In a private Catholic yeah. high school, I was jarred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because 
yeah, the girls there specifically, I remember that. And this, this is so interesting to look back on because I also recently found out, <laughs> realized, and came out as, um, I'm going to say gender nonconforming. Yeah. And so the girls at Richard were just on another level of like, I don't know. I, it was such a, a a shock to me to see, like, such nice clothes and such mm. nice hair. And, like, everyone had their makeup done. And every... But also, rich. Yeah. So, everybody's yeah. in coach. Everybody... I remember looking at this girl. Top to bottom, she was in coach. And her pencil case was coach. <laughs> and I was just like, what? And I... Yeah, so that was that was the first kind of adjustment. And I, I lost a lot of my social skills in freshman year. Hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but probably. Seventh, eighth grade, I was loud as shit. Yes. And <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> and I just... But it was my favorite years of my life to this yeah. day. Oh. <laughs> like, I had this solid group of friends. Yeah. And I was just like really in my element and really obnoxious and doing a bunch of like random performance stuff that just was so fun yes and i went to richard wait can i stop you to tell a story please um was this around the time that you walked into a restaurant and noticed everyone looked sad and led the entire restaurant in a round of song and no one joined me Yeah. So that's Jackie. <laughs> but then one guy came up to me after and he was like, that was amazing. Oh. So it felt really good. <laughs> but yeah, I when it was a Panera and it became yes. kind of a tradition. Yeah. Like those friends that I would go to Panera and just do something wild and leave. It's <laughs> so funny. But I yeah. So, but yeah, so I was like that in seventh and eighth grade and then... I remember Tony, our, my older brother, the one who passed away, um, saying, you're so loud. You're going to be so popular at Richard. <laughs> he was like, the loud people are the popular people there. And I got there and was so intimidated mm-hmm. and just kind of, I would say that's when my like introversion really came in. And yeah. now I'm more of a blend of an introvert and an extrovert. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so... I think going to college, I already had that experience, so it wasn't the biggest shock, but there were different types of people again that I, like, yeah. just didn't, and also I met a lot of queer people, mm, and that was yeah. a big, big thing for me. Like, I made a lot of friends really fast and then ended up, like, some of them came out while we were friends, some of them yeah. were already out, and, like, it was just the kind of thing where, like, you know how in Shit's Creek? the show mm-hmm. it's not the not top, even, not the top. <laughs> <laughs> um it's this show on netflix and one of the characters is pansexual and um they kind of just never bring it up and the, none yeah. of the people in the town ever make a deal about it mm-hmm. and even though he's like in a family that's going from New York to this tiny little town that you would expect would have some homophobia, maybe. Mm -hmm. There's none. And it's Mm -hmm. just not even addressed as something that's, like, 
a big deal. And it, yeah. that's how it felt, like, with my friends at, in college. Like, yeah, this is just, like, who I am. And let's, that's the least interesting thing about me. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That yeah. was, like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think that that was probably... Um, where I started moving on from community friendships to like different types, different types of people. Right. But I still, you know, I had a moment, uh, a year, the first year of Compass, Compass Colleges. So I also went to a a Christian, um, film school. Yeah. Um, one that I had, I had gone to summer camp there in high school and just kind of felt familiar and a little bit emotionally attached to it at the time and mom really wanted me to go there and so I was like okay let's go to compass but yeah it ended up being kind of a similar bubble in in many ways but anyway so the first year I was still going to um oh boy what is the college level of community UCO UCO thank you was there a UCO in Grand Rapids oh a huge one okay yeah so, yeah, I, so I did UCL for a little bit, like, went to some women's groups. They had, like, brunches and, like, things like that, and I would, like, try to go to them, and I was really, really questioning things heavily, and mm-hmm. so someone suggested I go to Alpha, which is, like, it's a pretty long program for adults to, like, go and hear going and have lessons of like breaking down scripture and like going in small groups and kind of asking the big questions it's supposed yeah. to be a space where you can like say anything yeah and ask anything mm-hmm. and so it was people were like just go there <laughs> take your questions there okay <laughs> so I did uh-huh. and I terrified everyone in my small group <laughs> oh, no. not really but it became one of those situations where it was like <laughs> Here's all my trauma. Yeah. What the... F- Are we going to swear on this podcast? We can swear on this podcast. What the fuck am I supposed <laughs> to do? <laughs> God has left my brain. Where'd he go? Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I had a, like three people kind of attach themselves to me at Alpha. And they would like reach out and be like, you want to go for coffee? You want to like... Yeah, I were just trying really hard to, like, be a mentor, basically, like a religious yeah. mentor, and it was basically no one had any answers, <laughs> Yeah, and I was mm. not, no one had any comfort at all. What kind of questions were you asking? I, so, one of the first ones that I, that popped up that never left <laughs> was, um... I was thinking about hell Mm -hmm. and I was thinking about the parable of the lost sheep Mm. and how because you know I always had like a really solid personal relationship with God so I was always like I know the God the version of God that I know is the version in the parable of the lost sheep where if one is gone astray and the other 99 are safe and they're good. He's going to go after that one sheep and he's not going to stop until he finds them and brings them back safely. Yeah. And I was thinking about hell and about how if one person 
ended up in hell for all of eternity, he would not have won. And yeah. we're promised that he won. That's like the ultimate victory. Like Jesus came down already, died for our sins. Like it's declared victory. God will win over Satan. And I just was thinking that doesn't make any sense because God loves all of his children equally. Yeah. And if one person is in there, that's not a victory. And so that was the biggest, like, heh. Yeah. I don't get yeah. it. And there was, a, like, there was a priest that I would talk to a lot who agreed with me, and he was actually kind of the one who introduced the question. Oh, okay. Because he was, he, <laughs> he came into a, a theology class in high school and had a, <laughs> a controversial moment where he was like hell is like a seatbelt all right just think of it like that like it's just to let you know you should you know you should wear a seatbelt in life you should be like a good person but it's not like it's not real (laughs) oh my god and my theology teacher was pissed Mm -hmm. and started fighting him yeah and Everyone was like, oh my god, Father Bob just said it was not real. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was, uh, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, <laughs> sorry, oh my gosh. Um, but this was Richard, okay, these kids. Oh, right, sure, <laughs> cool. But yeah, so that was kind of the first time that I was like, what the, this is interesting, what an idea. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and you know, I had a lot of fear of hell so much yeah and so it was like that question did not leave my brain (laughs) yeah like if there's a chance that this place isn't real this is gonna change everything so yeah yeah that was the the catalyst well one of the many catalysts i think our brother dying was also yeah i had many questions after that yeah that makes sense yeah i think that is a interesting difference between like i know i know people who grew up catholic where my boyfriend christian always makes fun of me about this because i'm always like well they're not real catholic because they're not following every single last law outlined in the catechism so you cannot call yourself catholic yeah the catechism (laughs) is the whole i'm always like what about the catechism yeah people who are like like, you know Christmas Eve and Easter Vigil Catholics or whatever where they just go in and I think that was a difference from community too even though that you know I'm using a Catholic context there but community was so vigilant and radical and it was like you know better to be a heathen than a lukewarm Christian kind of <sighs> That was the other one. Yeah. I, uh, and yep, hot or cold, I will take you in lukewarm. I spit you out. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, and that to me is like, that's community. Yep. Where just that environment where you are all in or you're out. There's mm-hmm. no room for... Which is why I was area. like, okay, I'll be cold. <laughs> exactly. I still yeah. feel like I... Sure, I could go to church. I could do these motions, but like, I could not do them with integrity, Mm-mm. and therefore I cannot do them. Yeah, like, and God will know if you're faking it. Yeah, what's the <laughs> point? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I hear you. I think that, um, you know, those questions are big, and for having been raised in in a culture where it's like. 
yes, you need answers to these questions. You need to have faith. You need to be open. You need to believe it all. Mm -hmm. The second you start questioning, you feel like you don't belong anymore. Yeah. And you kind of don't. And you kind of don't. I think some... I'm curious to see how other people feel, though, because I do know a lot of people go through questioning and then it resolves and they stay in. And I wonder... Mm -hmm. How does that how do, work? How does that work? <laughs> so for me, if I may. Yes, please. I was about to transition into okay. it. I didn't know if we wanted to just stop and start, but let's just keep going. Okay. Yeah. Um, I never felt super comfortable with the charismatic end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to speak in tongues. And I, and I sort of relied on... The scripture that um, was like, you know, to one he gave prophecy, to the another he gave the gift of tongues, to another. Like, mm-hmm. in the Bible it says that, like, it doesn't say he gave everyone everything. No. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or he gave everyone this everyone. one, and then some people these other ones. You know? But the way that the gift of tongues was treated was as if everybody was supposed to get it. And I remember talking to, like, my counselors at the summer camp that Work of Christ Community in Lansing put on every summer for kids in the area. Um, and some would come from other states and countries too, but it was definitely an expectation that you should receive the gift of tongues at camp. Yeah. And if you haven't already. I was already feeling a little bit like I didn't quite belong. I liked to ask a lot of questions. Um, about people and groups and why people do things and you know drove our dad crazy he still makes fun of me for it like (laughs) just that he would say no to something and I would be like well why why like I cannot accept something that I don't understand and I need to understand it and he would always say like it's he, he would be like you just thought that if we didn't agree with you it was because we didn't understand what you were saying and if we just understood you, we would agree. <laughs> and, which I think is like definitely something I uh, still deal with. Oh yeah, I'm like, <laughs> hmm, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, and um, it was hard. And I think a big part of that is it was hard for me to understand that people just believe different things. People have different opinions mm-hmm. and people experience things differently because I grew up in a way where everyone kind of thought the same things. And so it was really hard to imagine uh, thinking something different and just disagreeing. Um, Yeah. And understanding each other and disagreeing. So that was sort of how I was naturally. I remember having conversations with my best friend when we were really little, who was also in community and lived in her neighborhood and everything. And I asked... Well, if we're supposed to love everybody, then aren't we supposed to love Satan? And Damn! And she was like, uh, no, because it's... And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, why wouldn't we have love for him and for demons? Yeah, he's a fallen angel. Yeah. And um, I remember wow. we got in a fight about it. And then I was probably nine. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then um, a little while later, I, like a year or two later, I realized, I was like, wait, what if we had been born in a different country? Mm-hmm. What if I was born and raised to be Muslim or Jewish or Buddhist or whatever? Like, 
what it is am I just Catholic because I was born this way and like Christian because I was born this way how do we know that we just happen to be born (laughs) into the right thing like I don't understand that everyone thinks that their thing is the right thing you know and then um and then when I was in seventh or eighth grade eighth grade I think I went up, we were homeschooled, and I went upstairs to do my catechism homework at one point, or class, school, whatever it is when you're homeschooled and you sit in your room alone and read a book, and, <laughs> and, um, I, and I thought about that, about how I felt like everyone thinks they're right, and then I imagined a world where everyone was right, and I started using my catechism class time to write this novel about how all of the gods were real and they all lived in this place together and they each created their own humans and those humans had to follow their rules or suffer their consequences and the gods would fight with each other about like their rules and whether or not they chose a hell for their humans and then a person would be created by all of them. They would all have to agree that they were going to create this person together and they weren't going to influence it. And it would have to be the person to figure this all out. And then that person, when they died, would become the next god. So, Netflix, (laughs) if you're listening, (laughs) Genevieve Jones. (laughs) And so, yeah, and then the world would end. And they would start all over again. And this new god would now also create humans and add it to the mix. So That is amazing. I think that might be my new religion. Yeah. <laughs> I called it. Well, I'm not going to. I don't know. Now I want to write it again. You should. But um, yeah, it was really cool. And then, yeah, like people would, different gods would send different humans to try to help the human figure. I don't know. Whatever. It was really cool. I have the file somewhere. So... That's where my brain was <laughs> when I was 12. <laughs> and a philosopher. Yeah. And, um, and then as I got a little bit older, I, you know, these questions became bigger. And I was, I had like a really strong journaling practice from the time I was like nine. Mm-hmm. Every night before bed, I would journal. And it was really. I feel like. Sorry to cut you off a little go. bit. I feel like mom really encourage that because I had a similar habit yeah oh yeah I mean I have so many journals in that little treasure chest over there from my childhood (laughs) yeah I have so many too and I don't know what to do with them I'm like these are embarrassing and they're gonna go on this shelf (laughs) (laughs) therapy (laughs) yeah yeah totally uh when I was 15 let me just flip through here May 6th (laughs) 1972 my mother's diary (laughs) i actually do have all of her old calendars because you're right our mom did (laughs) keep her and i have all of them now and so sometimes i'll Mm -hmm. just go through and be like what did she do on this day in this year there's a record for everything anytime i got a headache she'd be like write it down this you never know this notebook that i'm using is my family health history notebook for my little family now because mom did that and it's so helpful Okay, anyway, our mom was the best, and we miss her very much. Um, so those questions started getting bigger. I had this journaling practice, and I would use that most of the time to sort of ask my questions and think about them. 
And then, um, so there are three moments that I remember the most. Four moments that I remember the most in my process of leaving. The first one was at a women's retreat, um, which we were girls. We were 14 or 15. And um, it was a weekend away where we would just, you know, listen to people speak and spend time together and um we would have like quiet prayer time too and so during and i was like i was also very depressed um didn't fully understand the extent of that at the time and so during one of those like quiet prayer times i just wrote and wrote and wrote in my journal about you know these i didn't what if i what if i don't believe this what if like what if i and I felt this, like, huge sense of relief when I thought that, like, I can let this go. I don't, what if I don't keep trying at this? And it really just felt, like, very scary and very um, hard, but also, like, I would be able to just take a deep breath. And <clears throat> so I wrote, you know, okay, God, if you're there... I need you to do some kind of a big thing because (laughs) I'm gonna go and unless I can see oh this is real this is true and I felt like like you were saying about the lost sheep like if if God is there and God is as I understand him then he will come get me you know so then after that and I remember that being very emotional and very difficult and then um I think that was in the summer and then that Thanksgiving we it was you know I don't know holidays were always kind of hard I think for a lot of people with depression they're just always kind of hard they were brutal for me always yeah yeah and you know we had a ton of people over and I was a teenager and angsty and I was 16 and our mom bless her heart noticed that I was like completely claustrophobic and annoyed and she was like will you run out and buy some milk <laughs> I was like, yep <laughs> so I left and I actually went to the adoration chapel at Christ the King oh, yeah. and I um sat in there and I said like this is my final this is my final offer okay god <laughs> I was like <laughs> we've been trying to reach you but your car's extended warranty god <laughs> about your lost sheep (laughs) um and so yeah I was basically like and you know when I would try to tell people this a lot of them would use the well you know someone's drowning in the ocean and God sends an airplane but the person says I'm waiting for God to save me and God sends a boat and and it's you know you start well I don't I'm projecting a little bit go ahead sign seeking yeah well I (laughs) where's the sign for God that's what I was yeah and I felt like I was and I was so sick of people telling me I wasn't open enough um I told you that the only time I've ever slapped somebody was I was on a walk with our little brother Tony and um my big brother your little brother yes (laughs) our in-betweener and we were talking about I was talking to him about some of this stuff and he said that like well maybe your heart's not open and I yeah. slapped him across <laughs> the face 
and I felt so bad, but I, and I apologize obviously and everything, but I, that's how mad that made me was like, you don't understand how hard I am trying and how much I am like putting on the line here. And, and be trying to be open like you were. <laughs> you exactly. Were, you were I open. was. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So when I didn't, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to sort of give up at this point. And if God wants to come find me, he can. Mm. And then the next thing was I had, I was like, okay, I left. I'm done. Like, I'm, I don't know what that means <laughs> or what that looks like or what that changes mm-hmm. yet, but I'm out. And um, I went to, I was like freaking out about it. And the advantage I had here is that there are three kids in our family older than me. Mm -hmm. All of them had left. They had all like abandoned religion at this point. So I... Sorry, what year was that when you left? 2007, 2006. Okay, yeah. So I was... You were 11. Sixth grade. Yeah. Fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. And no, little baby. And part of why I was so scared is because I knew how people talked about them. I knew that people talked about them like they were lost and confused and missing something. And that felt really patronizing to me for my situation, at least, because I didn't feel that way. I felt complete and I felt relief and I hated the idea that everyone would always be looking at me as if there was something missing yeah. and as if oh, i never knew if she only knew. yeah like yeah. oh you think Ugh. you're happy but Ugh. true happiness comes from god so you are not happy and it just like that yeah, yeah. that terrified me so that i went still gets on my skin <laughs> i know we do i can't think about it too much but um so I went to go visit our sister at the restaurant she was working at, mm-hmm. and she sat me at a table and just listened to me talk for a while, which was really Aww. nice. Like came over as often as she could to check on oh, me, and so nice. it was really sweet. She was sort of like, "Yes, welcome to the club." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the next one is at um, a weekend retreat because I still had to go. I was yeah. sixteen, yeah. and. Um, I told our parents, I had said, I remember telling our mom, I was like, I have these really big questions and doubts. And um, she was like, well, that's okay, sweetie. (laughs) You know, like, we can talk about them and look at this book and look at this book. And I was like, but I think I want to start looking at other answers. Like, I think I don't want to limit the places I'm looking for answers to just Christian things. And she was really upset, you know, um, understandably. We got in a fight, but she, you know, came back to me later and we made up. So that's where I was at, but I still had to go to these retreats and things. I was now in public school. I was on the swim team. I was definitely removing myself from the environment we grew up in. Mm -hmm. Um... And I had this friend on the swim team who was in a really, really bad car accident. And she was in the hospital in a coma and it wasn't clear if she was going to make it or not. And I had to go to this retreat. And I was so... Oh my God. I need to be careful with this because I might have agreed to go. I don't know how much of it was forced. I think I also felt like it would be nice to just 
go somewhere else for the weekend and I was sort of like I'm just not gonna like participate that much but it does sound nice to get away and see some of my friends you know so I did that and then I remember like you know I was not I was talking to one of the other people there about like maybe we can sneak some beers in and you know (laughs) like it wasn't like I was there to participate very much um and then during the like big prayer meeting of the weekend um someone's varsity jacket was on their chair in front of them and it reminded me of seeing my friend's varsity jacket covered in blood and like cut in half at the hospital and I you know I was like I can't be here like that feeling when you're triggered where like the room closes in on you and you're sweating Mm -hmm. and you're like this is I need to be alone Mm -hmm. and it was already like kind of late and I was like I'm just gonna go to sleep I'm just gonna go to bed Mm -hmm. so I left and I went to back just back to my room to sleep and someone came in like someone followed me there and was like you have to come back to the prayer meeting oh and I was like um I just want to sleep like is like I'm just trying to sleep yeah (laughs) and they were like no you need to come participate in this and then so then I was like look this is what's going on my friend was in a car accident she's in the hospital I don't know if she's gonna make it please let me go to sleep and she was like you know my best friend died a few years ago and what you need is prayer (laughs) oh wow like you need to still come and I was like are you kidding me and she was like here's the deal you can either come with me now or I'm gonna send in Mrs. Putnam and yeah and that's she was threatening me with that she was like and you know she's not gonna be as gentle as I am so that name literally like shook something in me (laughs) (laughs) yeah that I can't believe you didn't slap that person too yeah so right so i was like oh "Oh my god God." fine so i came back and then they were like okay we have to do the small groups for prayer and so then i have to sit in the middle of a circle of people who are praying over me in tongues and i don't want anything to do with any of this and i'm crying because it's an incredibly stressful situation and they're like what's going on you're having this emotional spiritual experience and so i was like no i'm not like my friend is dying i am and you're not letting and you're and i just want to go to sleep and um so then someone who had like been our babysitter growing up and who was really sweet like heard what was going on and she came and got me and she was like i'm really sorry that happened go to bed like just go to bed you're fine yeah Yeah. and i was like look like i it's I get it and but like I understand people think I need prayer right now but like and she was like no it's okay to like just go to sleep so I did and then in the morning um some of the younger girls had all written me a card that was like we're really sorry about your friend like we hope you're okay (laughs) (laughs) and it was really nice but it was also like so humiliating because I had to walk through this like gym full of my peers during this big prayer meeting and I'm crying and I know that to them that looks like a spiritual experience and I just wanted to scream that it wasn't and it sucked so that was like I think when I got home I told our parents about that and they were like okay you don't have to go to any more of those (laughs) like that's horrible I'm sorry yeah that is 
very I don't want to say traumatizing if I it mean, wasn't, but it I mean it sounds like it maybe could have little been t trauma. Yeah. Little t traumas. Yeah. Yeah. Formative. Very formative. Um Yeah. That was a tough one. And I think there were just a lot of things like that where I tried to use my voice and it wasn't heard. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in sixth grade and I said I didn't want to be prayed over for tongues and they prayed over me anyway. And then made me try to do it in a group of people. And then when I was in high school and I applied to be a counselor at camp and on the application it said, do you have the gift of tongues? And I said... I remember that. No, because I don't think that... Um, God intends for everyone to and they deny my application and um I reached out and I was like yo is this why and they were basically like yeah (laughs) like it wasn't I wasn't like charismatic enough and then um there was another instance where I reached out to the director of the entire youth program (laughs) and sent him this long email about like I think about that, about the application and this expectation that everyone should have these gifts and that, like, maybe not everyone is as expressive and, like, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't, you know, like, even if people have some doubts or whatever, they should be allowed in these circles. And, like, don't you think that the people who need small groups and things the most are the people who are having the most trouble with it? And, like... Asking um, really good, thoughtful questions. <laughs> yeah, and he responded, um, I believe he was mostly respectful. I think I still okay. have the email. I could try to find oh. it. But, yeah, just a lot of things like that where people were kind of like, that's nice, but uh-huh. no. This is the way we do it here. Yeah. And it's not up for debate. We know what you need. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you need. Yes. <clears throat> I just Which is, really struggled with that. Has that transferred over into your life at all or did it ever at any point because yeah for me (laughs) that's a doozy yeah learning to trust my own instincts and this is oh that's interesting it's different for me oh i always i always knew who i was i always trusted myself Mm -hmm. i always had this really strong sense of self and there were definitely times when that waxed and waned or whatever but the way it manifests for me is I do not like anyone telling me what to do I do not like feeling like I'm being trapped into something or like I can't do what I want to do or what I know I need to do has that like fluctuated at all or like has that yeah I think there were you know around 19 um some things that happened that made me doubt myself and feel like maybe I was just a piece of shit and maybe I like didn't know anything and maybe I wasn't good um or or maybe I like couldn't trust myself at all maybe I don't know what I want maybe I don't know myself um but that was from external influencers and um luckily got away from that and back to myself so that's amazing yeah yeah I feel like I have fluctuated in in my responses to those like I definitely for the first 25 years of my life (laughs) which wait aren't you I got like in the last seven months (laughs) 
I'm a whole new person. I'm a whole new person. <laughs> no, it's been a, like a progression. So I don't, uh, there's not really a, a place that I can put it into, I guess, in a timeline. But I, I used to never consider my own opinion. And I think all of that was about God. And this oh. is more so about just like religion or Catholicism, I guess, in general and not so much community, yeah. but like the whole, put your whole faith and trust in God, put your whole gratitude for your success in God, put your whole failures on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that little yeah. system of relying on God burrowed into my brain. And mm. once God was no longer an element in my yeah. life, I started realizing, oh, the voice I've been hearing was me. <laughs> and it was my intuition. Yeah. It wasn't my, it wasn't, I mean, who knows? Honestly, sure. I, there could, I'm still quite spiritual, I would say. Yeah. So I do believe, like, I, we all have a piece of God in us mm-hmm. and whatever God is, like a source, a actual God, a many gods, whatever. I yeah. have no idea and I don't think I'll ever figure it out and so I don't want to try. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, that voice was hard to reconnect to and hard to trust as myself. Yeah. And like, yeah, transitioning from like faith to like self-reliance yeah. was so shaky. Oh, and yeah. I think I've gotten, I mean, I'm not, uh, I don't think I'm all the way there yet, but definitely eons <laughs> beyond what I was before. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's so awesome. interesting that like we had yeah. such different, like, oh, I just totally. love that. Like that's, everybody's yeah. born so differently. Yeah, like, like we, we grew it. up in the same family. <laughs> and same, the same environment. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, but also different placements, different personal, different placements of the family line, different right. personalities, different people. Right. It's yeah. crazy. It's, it's fascinating. Crazy. It is. Yeah, because for me, I never, when people would say that, like, just put your faith in God, put mm-hmm. your, I didn't get it. I was like, yeah, but. Where? Yeah, but what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but how? Yeah. Like, tell me the practical steps yeah. <laughs> to do that. That's so Like, I remember when people would say, like, give your suffering up to God. Like, mm-hmm. give offer your... Offer it up. Offer it up for this person. Mm-hmm. Offer it up for that person. And I was like, how? What? Yeah. Where? What do it's, you... It's I don't honestly, get it's it. It's mindfulness. Yeah. Is yeah. what it is. Like, I have similar experiences now where I'm like, hmm, that's the same feeling I had at a prayer meeting Interesting. all those years ago. Yeah. Like, going into a deep meditation and being yeah. like... I remember when I decided I'm being slain in the spirit now because <laughs> that's basically wow. what you have to do. And just like, it's a dissociating. In a trance. It's, it's yeah. in a trance and it's meditation. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, I'm a very grounded person. Yeah. I'm like deeply rooted in the earth and earth myself. Earth. I am a Capricorn. <laughs> What's your rising sign? Uh, Virgo? Virgo, I think. Oh. I'm like Capricorn, Virgo, Virgo, Capricorn. I'm oh. like very okay, earthy. Yeah. Um, but I for whatever that's worth. Yeah. Because as get, a Capricorn, I, I question it. Um, 
As the choir is rising, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I have a hard time still, like, with meditation and things like that. Like, I I try to do it. I like it. But I struggle with it. Like, those sort of... And I think part of that is because I'm very blessed to mostly have peace in myself anyway. So... (laughs) Which is, like, a huge privilege. I understand. Um... I'm not, like, neurotypical completely. I have, like, mm-hmm. been diagnosed with, like, general anxiety and depression. But it's usually um, circumstance-based. Like, I've gone on and off meds based on what else is going on in my life. And it's mostly manageable. So, yeah. I mean, I know I'm very privileged in that way. Um, then I hope that doesn't sound arrogant. It's no. not, like... <laughs> no, not at all. It's not... I just... I think it's awesome. And I think I, I've always just kind of liked myself. I think that that's such... I don't want to use the word, but I keep thinking of the word gift. Yeah. Like, yeah. It is just like a little bit of a gift. Yeah. And like, I want totally. you to enjoy it and be able to use that. Because if you don't, then... Well, like, yeah. I and I, I know, like, especially in, like, millennial, Gen Z culture or whatever, this, like, self-deprecating... It's bad. Self-negative talk is so... Mental illness is trending. Yeah. I mean, it's, like... It's insane. It's huge. And I, I just feel like it's not something I've had to deal with that much. Which, yeah, it is a gift. Yeah. But, and, yeah. Yeah. I just want to clarify, like, trending, meaning, like, it's trendy, to be yes. Meant, to be mentally ill. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And people are really leaning into it, and that doesn't mean that it's not real or no that it's not good no. to have awareness and support because and that's... be vocal about it. I yes. think it's like Billie but Eilish to... level vocal. I think was really good, but then you start swimming in it, and it's yeah, like, you okay. you feel like that's <laughs> where you should stay, yeah. and it makes it a lot harder to get out. My brain, my brain is swimming. I wish my body was. Oh my gosh. I keep looking when they're going to open. Yeah. Because as soon as they do, I'm getting a year membership and I'm swimming every morning. Mm-hmm. The, there's, um, so yesterday, Michigan lifted the order to have to wear masks indoors or outdoors if you're fully vaccinated. Did you know this? <laughs> We're all going to die. <laughs> it's only if you're fully vaccinated. But I also do wonder how much of it is, like, yes, it's terrifying to think about not wearing a mask anymore. But if, like, the science and the data is telling us it's okay now if you are fully vaccinated. But you can still catch it and still spread it. But I wonder if maybe new... And there are people new... who haven't gotten vaccinated yet who have autoimmune diseases. And, like, it's... There's... there's I wonder no... if research has shown that you can't spread it if you're vaccinated. Do you know that's what I mean? Like, maybe that's... I know, but, like, I'm wondering if, if all of this really is based on data and science, then, like, maybe they learned something new. I don't know. I haven't looked into it that much, but Christian and I went to dinner in a restaurant for the first time in, like, over that. a year. Because even when it was, like, wear a mask and then take it off when you sit down, we were, like, nah, we'll wait till we're vaccinated. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. I we mean... did, and then, yeah, it was, I think the strangest thing to me was the sound of other people talking. Oh. <laughs> like, the white noise of other conversations happening around us oh, was, yeah. like, it felt so loud. Yeah. It was really bizarre. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know that I've become 
even more introverted during all of this. Like, yeah. Or just, like, I've always been, like, really... I get sensory overload pretty fast. Yeah. And that's become even more so. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Which... Makes sense. Know, who knows? Who knows where that's coming from? Yeah. Any manner of things. Mm-hmm. I actually was going to go on an interesting little... I realized when I was... When I became sexually active, <laughs> I realized I never got the HPV, oh, the HPV vaccines. Yeah. And I remember talking to mom about it. Mm-hmm. And being like, did I get these? And she's like, no, like, you don't need them. And I was like, well, mom. <laughs> kinda, yeah, it was, uh, it was really, I was super mad. Oh. And because I didn't know that I, I just assumed because we got all the other vaccines. And then I was oh. remembering all those little doctor appointments and like, HPV vaccine? No, she doesn't need it. And yeah. like the lack. Yeah, this, I don't know if this again was necessarily a community thing, but it felt like it was like sex was so not talked about that it became. Yeah everything I thought about. <laughs> yeah. Not really, but it became just like, it felt like because it was so shunned and put in a box and shut and locked away that it became <laughs> perverted. Yes. And like, yeah. I feel like that happened for a lot of people. Yeah. And that, now realizing that I didn't get those vaccines and then having to like oh, go man. get them as an adult was like, and then the doctors be like, why haven't you had these? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I had a, Oh, man. Yeah. I thought I had my bases covered, but... That's yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, like, 12 or 13 when that vaccine came out. And oh, so okay. it was, like, a big thing mm-hmm. everywhere. And I remember, yeah, just sort It just sort of... It was like seeing a commercial for birth control. Like, it was immediately something I knew I wouldn't get or yeah. be... That I shouldn't yeah. get. You got to watch birth control commercials? <laughs> <laughs> No, they always got turned off. You know, whatever the that conversation was, which I know is also a specifically Catholic thing. Yeah, but um, I think the way that relationships were handled in community, like that, you're supposed to be brotherly, sisterly, and encouraging this brother sister fellowship, mm-hmm. and like that those terms like brother sister constantly used, and then even in like some of the college programs you're still not supposed to be dating and then like if you do a gap year or whatever and then all of a sudden at some point you're supposed to start this courting process and be married within a year and then you're expected to have this like perfect sex life and have and i and have children yeah and i just never understood like that must be really hard yeah. I don't know. How, like, I always think I'm, of, of I hope specifically people are the women. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> like yeah. can, you, can you, like, I don't know, can you enjoy that? Like, I would, right. I don't know if the guilt would go away. Because right. it's supposed right. to be, like, once you're in marriage, like, sex is good. But can yeah. you right. do that mental gymnastics in 24, in 24 hours? hours? <laughs> yeah. And I know there's a lot of, like, prep leading up to it and, like, 
counseling and they talk about it a lot and you know okay, and that's yeah, all that's true good but yeah because you're supposed to well i don't know if this is catholicism or community but yeah. the year engagement was like a thing right like you're supposed to be engaged i think it is in community courtship rules too which are a thing yes um or guidelines but <laughs> i yeah anyway i just worry about those people a little bit i hope they're okay i'm sure a lot of them are i'm sure a lot of them maybe struggled with it and yeah. i'm curious to know what that experience is like me too yeah 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 that was always really confusing for me because i mostly had guy friends growing up mm. like i seem to just get along with guys better i don't know why i always yeah. have and but then I also was just boy crazy from a very, very ripe young age. Can you tell the story? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> the message? Yeah. I was... So I went to first grade at a private Christian... Catholic? Christian at that point. Christian at that point. School. And... I love also it. community based, by the way. Huron oh yeah. Valley. All right, cool. I went to Huron Valley, and I loved it so much. And I ended up being pulled out with my brother because he needed to be homeschooled, and so I was just gonna be homeschooled too for second, third, and fourth grade, and that was awful. And I, I needed to be pulled out. I got into fights. What Sorry. the? This is so stupid. It's not stupid. I need to stop using that word. All I remember was Tony was having those stomach aches. <gasps> that too. You're and right. There he, were a few things. Yeah. There were a few things that our parents were like, we need to just homeschool these kids. Because I blamed it on cheese. <laughs> I blamed the fact that I got pulled out of my favorite school on the fact that Tony couldn't stop eating cheese. <laughs> That's so funny. I wasn't getting any context as a six-year-old. <laughs> I have memories of, like, picturing slices of cheese. Oh, my God, and being like, cheese so is why I was stomach aches which i think was anxiety um yeah and we just didn't know that yet um but and i think it bad. overall was like this is just a bad environment like yeah we need to have more control over this environment for our children so. yeah so i got anyway i got pulled along into that little situation <laughs> no it was great though because our mom was really really good at teaching mm -hmm. and she it was so fun. Like, I just got to play with my siblings all day and, like, learn subjects that I actually really liked. Anyway, I'm getting really sidetracked. But, <laughs> so, I fell in love with this boy in first grade and could not stop thinking about him when I was homeschooled. So, I would call him. And one day, I saw the movie Shrek. <laughs> and there's the song in there you know they change the words a little bit but at the end they sing i forget what it's called it's baby so, got back baby got back thank That's you it's from mix a lot yeah 
Yeah. Anyway, okay. So I had just seen that movie and I was obsessed with it and I loved the song. And so <clears throat> um, I'm not going to say his name, but I called his house and I was like, hello, I have a message for you. I just want to say I love you. And I like big butts and again that like I sing that whole song. And their family saved the message. And I have not lived it down. Every I will still run into them sometimes and I just start blushing. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm pretty sure they like listened to it numerous times. Oh yeah. I, I would. I'm upset we didn't get a copy. Oh man. But, yeah, so I had a lot of guy friends. I had a lot of intense crushes. And um, it was something that I felt judgment a little bit about. And, like, probably just a lot of shame, too. Um, Like, because there was that expectation that girls play with girls and boys play with boys and girls play house and boys fight with sticks and I wanted to do all of it so looking back on it now I just never understood gender roles and always was fighting them always (laughs) and that's what I look back and see and kind of what that and uh, like just continuing to want to fight them makes me realize that I am gender non-conforming. I, w- I would say non-binary, but that doesn't really seem to to do it. <laughs> so um, it's just more that like the social construct of gender has never clicked for me. And um, so like when I was little, I always really liked the boys section like I their shoes were so cool (laughs) and I like have this picture still of like the last pair of boy shoes that I was allowed to buy and because I just was obsessed with them and like my cousin told me that like I looked really cool in them and I just I that was like so affirming (laughs) and then there was a time also when I developed this alter ego uh named peter Uh and i would go into my brother tony's closet and put on his clothes like a suit and (laughs) take a little toy telephone and pretend to have meetings and (laughs) and i would oh yeah the I, i but i would only be referred to as peter i wouldn't answer to anything else and a lot of this too is i think just performance like i just I have always loved characters and like that kind of like just trying on different roles and things and um but yeah I like knocked on the front door and was like mom answered and was like hello my father just called and he died in a motorcycle accident so I have to live with you <laughs> I remember <laughs> and it was just so intense and like then there was that time when I wouldn't break character and Tony was getting so mad so he went into my room 
and broke the lock on my diary and started reading it in front of me. And I wouldn't break character. I was like, oh I'm God. not Jackie. I'm Peter. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> stubborn i guess (laughs) yeah so but it was just fun like seeing the reactions i think of people like but you're a girl like and whenever i play house with my friends i was always the dad and i was always named john and like it was just i think it just felt good to like break out of that gender role because it was so strict especially in community like, it was yeah. just so, you could almost see the line in the air of, <laughs> like, yeah. women belong yeah. here, men belong here. And I, like, taking down, uh, I wanted to say striking the prayer meetings, uh, <laughs> taking down the chairs, you know, I always would be, like, instead of going to, like, set up the cookies, I'd be, like, let me get nine chairs in both arms yeah. and, like, struggle my <laughs> way over with the boys. <laughs> I remember when one of the women in our community and the word of life began the women's leadership council or committee or whatever because only men could be coordinators which Mm -hmm. were like the leaders of the community um but you know women are talented too so this one person started the women's leadership council or committee or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and I remember it being this, like, like, women felt really empowered by it. Like, yeah, that's right. Like, we have leaders in community now, too. But they were secondary to coordinators. So it wasn't like, now women can be coordinators. It was like, now you have your own little leadership circle. And you are in charge of the fellowship thing. Oh, my God. Or the whatever, Here's a crumb you know? of the cookie to keep you satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's how it seemed to me. And I was sort of like, I don't get it. Like, I remember asking our parents one time, much later, um, I was, like, visiting. I lived in New York for a while. And I think one time when I was visiting, I asked them, like, what if a woman really really feels like god is calling her to be a priest or to be a leader in the community or whatever like what if she hears that vocation and she knows that's what god wants but then people tell her she can't or she shouldn't like what is a woman supposed to do in that situation yeah and my mom was sort of like well i i don't know i need to think about this or i don't you know like I yeah, I, she just felt like that wouldn't happen. Totally, I think, and I think so too. Because like that I wouldn't be God. Yeah, of someone in in Richard, uh, there was this girl who asked such similar questions in class, and I remember her asking that once, and that was my thought that wouldn't happen. Right, they she would be misunderstanding the voice yeah. of God or something. Yeah. But her dad was like, no, but I mean, you know, hypothetically, what if? <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> what would she do? Yeah. That's confusing yeah (laughs) and I was like yeah um and I think it helped me explain to them why I felt like I couldn't be in it because like I felt and feel like I did everything to properly form my conscious conscience and my little Jiminy Cricket (laughs) and um 
And for all I know, what it's telling me is, like, to do other things. Yeah. So, I, you know, I just think it would be really... And no one is asking me to, you know, still do it and pretend I believe everything that I don't. Uh, yeah. But it's hard sometimes to feel like I didn't turn out how I was supposed to. Hmm. Yeah. I do get that. I actually was just talking to my therapist about that. It's like, I mean, I think this is in many different ways, but I I had such a view for my life. Like, another thing was, as someone who was socialized as a woman, I'll mm-hmm. say, you know, I never thought about working. Ever. Yeah. Never crossed my mind that I'd have to get a job. Yeah. Crossed my mind that I'd have to get married have kids and he would take care of me so (laughs) entering the workforce has Mm -hmm. been a challenge (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah I look back on like what I thought or what the expectation was of where I'd be at 25 yeah and it's very different married two kids at least one owning a house yeah yep yep yeah, just settled down. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I want that right. at all, but it's still, I think there is a grief in that. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. it's, you know, you picture your life going one way and then it doesn't. And, I mean, I think that's happened to us in a multitude of ways. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, death is real. It's going to happen to all of us. Just yeah, accept it. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, all right, cool. <laughs> There's our You're little, set. <laughs> our two cents. <laughs> We're all gonna die, and, uh, yep. that's our podcast. That's our pod. <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. Hope you feel uplifted. Maybe there's heaven. I hope there's a good place for us to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's all very, uh, formative. Yeah, and I think now that I am closer to having the life I thought I would, um, you know, like, marriage and children and those things are mm-hmm. are I can see them happening now they haven't happened yet but they probably will mm-hmm. and um it feels really good but I also struggle with it just being a lot later than I thought I would which is oh. ridiculous because I'm 31 but like as yeah. you know growing up in community and stuff we saw people getting married at like 20 mm-hmm. and have or 22 19 having kids 19. i know somebody yeah. who got married when she was 19 yeah and it um i just and didn't know right anyone away. who was like waiting longer or if they did and i still see this like women who are single past 25 it's like are you okay constant and and they they express feeling like i remember hearing women speak at gatherings and stuff of like i know god has a plan for me mm-hmm. I know i'm gonna find someone I'm not gonna freak out <laughs> yeah, exactly and it's like dude you're 30 Seriously. you're 25 like you have time but i also com- so too much time life yeah. is long <laughs> but i also completely understand it because when i turned 25 and i was single i had a panic attack i yeah. was like this is insane mm-hmm. uh, like, i can't i don't know it oh, just wow. was terrifying yeah um 
because I was like, well, I have to know them for at least a year, and then we have to be engaged for at least a year, and oh, then yeah? it'll be like at least a year to oh, have kids. It's so like Rachel and friends. Like, exactly. Exactly. I remember talking to my best friend about it and being like, this is how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> this is what, how I So think. I have to meet him right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's so interesting. Yeah, I definitely had that. And then, yeah, I think the death of Tony and then mom just really changed my whole outlook on it all. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, because I would have absolutely freaked the fuck out when I turned 25. Yeah. If I was still single and, you know, thought that that was, like, a big purpose of my life. But now it's, like, now that I've, like, really processed and continue to process my my own mortality and, like... yeah just on such a visceral level now it's like yeah. life is so much bigger than that to me now oh, yeah. and it's so exciting at times and then also you know again the grief can come in and be like but it was so much simpler when it was just this <laughs> like now yeah. i have literally anything at my disposable <laughs> literally anything <laughs> everything's disposable everything dies oh man but it's kind of like, I don't know, it's given me a bit of freedom and like yeah, excitement. Absolutely. Like it's opened me, it's brought me back to like my original childhood dreams of like traveling the world and meeting That's cool. everybody and mm-hmm. seeing everything. So yeah, it's kind of brought me back to that, which is, there is, which is a, nice. Uh, and a new lens. A like benefit a, to the perspective. Yeah. 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 There yeah. can be for sure. Yeah. It takes a long time to get there and I think it's definitely fluctuating yeah. like every day oh, is pretty yeah. different yeah. <laughs> but today's yeah, grief pretty is not good so far <laughs> yeah that's good yeah yeah I think um, that you know going back to what you were saying about their deaths sort of impacting what you pictured for your wife mm-hmm. like I think I before Tony died had a lot of like I was in his stage of just trying to get as far away from everything as possible pretty mm-hmm. much like I felt like I I had moved to New York City and I was like, you know, just trying to learn and absorb as much of the world as I could. Um, And it took me a long time to sort of resolve in myself that I did want to get married and I did want to have kids and and it didn't make me a bad feminist to want those things. And it didn't have to be the version that you grew up seeing. Yeah, Yeah, it could look different and like we, I could meet someone and we could create whatever kind of family we wanted and like you could live together first right yeah and it became really exciting um and but I was still sort of like I don't know coasting a little bit not really coasting but you know I wasn't too worried about it yet and then when Tony died and I came back home um for like a month and then felt pretty immediately that I had to move back like mostly for our mom because it wasn't great. No. Um, but I, and that's when I started being like, okay, I got to like, life is short and I need a plan. Yeah. <laughs> that's sort of how I felt. But I also felt like I fluctuate and still do between life is short, I need to do everything right now, and life is short, so nothing matters. That's so interesting. I fluctuate between life is short and I have to do everything, and life is so long. <laughs> I can take my time. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Like, I have panic attacks about how much life I have left. <laughs> oh, no! You have a lot. 
We are not losing another no, one. <laughs> I know. I refuse. I mean, I'm yeah. like, I've decided. I'm dying 90 in my sleep. Like, Great. Just Good. Happen. Yeah. It's a lot of life. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. You Thank have you. to do it. Thanks. You have no choice. No, that's so. all right. I've decided. Mine never matter. Yep. Great. Good. Great. <laughs> um, but yes. So then I went back to New York, got my shit together, moved back to Detroit, went to school. Mm-hmm. Got back in school, did that whole thing, um, just graduated with a bachelor's in social work, and oh. I've started grad school for social work, so I'll be done with that in a year, working as a housing resource community coordinator, helping people experiencing homelessness find housing. Um, yeah, it's pretty weird. I feel like a lot has settled. Yeah. And... Yeah, not in the way I thought it would when I was younger, but also not terribly different. Yeah. Like, I'm, social work is still a very, like, it's mostly women. It's a lot of charity and Christian organizations involved. You know, it's yeah. very service-oriented. Yeah. It's, um... Parallel streets. Parallel, <laughs> yeah. And I think there's, uh, you know, a much stronger liberal streak in social work than in, like, Christian charity work um there's also yeah whatever there's a big difference but (laughs) um but different streets though you know (laughs) same direction kind of without (laughs) the evangelism anyway um so yeah I'm excited to like I don't know to see where how that continues yeah me too you're just, oh, I'm so happy that you're, I don't know, I feel, like, better about the world knowing that you're a social worker out there. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so nice. Thank you. You well, know, there we, need to be good helpers out there. I feel like, yeah. It's mostly cheerleading, honestly. People have the ability to manifest change for themselves. Yeah. And social work is just but helping like, them see that. For sure. But, I yeah, I just, you know, not every social worker that I have well I guess you know social worker and therapist is different yeah well that yeah that's a social work can be so many different yeah. things my new life goal is to work for the FBI that's so right yeah. I have 10 years I like to necklace, by the way. thank you <laughs> can't see it but the necklace is perched on her nose <laughs> and it's it looks like high fashion it looks like something it you would see like fashion. maybe you'd get a piercing like right there on the top of the bridge oh, of your nose br- yeah and, and then, then put a, put a chain oh down yeah. like that coming down the sides of my nose yeah it's kind of cute connect to my dimples yeah that i don't have oh yeah you could get the the dimple the piercings. dimple piercings okay there you go new look if anybody wants it it's out there free ideas free ideas we're full of them <laughs> We really are. are. (laughs) Oh my god. The number of ideas we've had that have then become products. For example, guess who the Disney version we made? And then we worked so hard on it. We cut out, we printed out pictures of the Disney people. We made cards for them. Yeah. Out of cereal boxes. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was the giant (laughs) cupcake. We started making cakes, but giant cupcakes. And then they. Yeah, in like a Pyrex bowl. Yeah, and then they came out with, like, a silicone giant right. cupcake thing. Mm-hmm. Homeschooling gives you a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> sure does. Um, what was I talking about? 
um, oh, how like it's kind of similar to community because it's like all women and it's, yeah. you know, like a different, very different type of yeah. future, oh, yeah. but kind of similar. Okay. So something about social work that I find interesting is that it's um, severely underpaid and underappreciated as our nurses, as our teachers, yes. as our pretty much any profession you can think of that is traditionally women hmm. majority. And I think of that in terms of community and that like we just don't value women's work as much. And yeah. we think of it as quote women's work. Yeah. Like that there is not enough male or non-conforming representation in social work or people of color or any of that is like so parallel to community um and I really I kind of struggled with that in becoming a social worker and had to sort of resolve that in myself of like okay I'm gonna be another white blonde female cis straight social worker Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there are a plethora of us (laughs) But, you know, that doesn't mean I'm not value- or not needed. So I think that, again, just conflicted with that idea of, you know, for a while trying to get as far away as possible and be as, like, different and then realizing, like, a lot of the things I ended up settling on are probably, like, very influenced by the way we grew up. Yeah. And, it, and that's okay. Like, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't make them doesn't inherently have to be a bad. bad. Yeah. yeah, and I can do whatever work I can to try to, you know, make social work a more welcoming field for people of color yeah, and non-binary say, people. Can, and, yeah. Yeah. You can still do a lot of really good there. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> well, this is our podcast. <laughs> yes. This, this was the first episode of the Community Kids podcast. We hope you enjoyed it if you're out there um we just wanted to yeah take this first episode to you know talk about community and the history of it and how we grew up in it but also just so like i don't know but give you a chance to get to know us a little bit yeah Yeah. see who we are um i know we've reached out to some groups about being a guest on the podcast if you are interested in that please reach out to us we have an instagram account it is sos community kids um and that's that's where you can find us and message us and if you're not you know in the club you can still send us a message with any of your questions about um growing up in what it was like and what it is like and all of that you can also you know message us to tell us this is terrible and we're doing an evil thing Mm. and i'll handle those messages (laughs) yeah that's fine okay i'll take it (laughs) All right, yeah, I won't be fielding those ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jackie, it's well, been a pleasure sharing coffee and time with you, as yes. always. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Yeah, thank you for sharing yours. I think it's, it is you know, really cool to, like, just be able to have this conversation with yeah. you, podcast or not. You yeah, know? it is. It's really, yeah. really cool. Um, also very excited to talk to anyone else who wants to bravely share their own experience yeah. Um, I hope that you come back. That's all, folks. 